0: Welcome to EdCast, a podcast brought to you by the Education Policy Center at American Institutes for Research. Through EdCast, we bring researchers and practitioners together to discuss some of our nation's biggest educational challenges. This episode of EdCast focuses on equity in early childhood education, featuring AIR experts Peter Cookson and Ebony Howard. Here's Peter. I'm Peter Cookson. I'm joined today with Ebony Howard, a managing research at the American Institutes for Research and she is a national expert on early childhood education. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Peter.
0: Ebony, you know, uh, it would be interesting you have such a rich and rich background on this topic. Could you tell us a little bit how you got into it and what what drew you to this topic? It started
1: from the backseat of my parents' car, I mean, definitely growing up. Uh, questions and issues around equity, especially in African-American community in Wisconsin. And when I was in high school, I became a little bit more aware of what we talked about disparities, the haves, the have nots, how do you, who has a good life? Who does not have a good life? Why? Uh, I remember my first research study was in high school and it looked at the disparities between African-Americans and white at James Madison Memorial High School. Yeah, high school. Yeah, that, yeah, that was. And, and, and it was just, you know, simple statistics, like proportion of who graduated, who didn't, who was in the advanced classes, who were not in advanced classes. I was not in the advanced classes, and I didn't understand why I was not in the advanced classes. And it showed that there was definitely disparities. And disparities that affected children, and then that experiences lasted on to college, what colleges people went to or if they went to college, what jobs some of my friends ended up going to and who didn't, and it just was like a legacy then that just continued on through my education and still here at AAR.
0: Well, can you give us kind of an overview of early childhood in the United States in terms of how many kids are served and so forth like that?
1: Uh, So in an early childhood education, it depends on how you define it. Generally, we define it from birth to age 8. Sometimes we narrow it from 0 to 3 or 0 to 5 or preschool age 3 to 5. Early childhood in that 0 to 8 range can include child care programs, um, Head Start Early Head Start, your preschool, your state-funded, publicly funded preschool, your privately funded preschool, um, home visitation programs, even your pediatrician, and that you take um, your young infant or toddler, um, is all part of this kind of early childhood mm-hmm. system of care and education.
0: And so, how many, how many young kids do you think are involved in all of this? Roughly, just as it. A-
1: yeah, about sixty-one percent of right. children between the ages of birth to five right. are in some sort of early childhood right. care or education okay. outside of parental care. All
0: right, what are the what are the, like the three major benefits that you could think of that having a, a quality early childhood experience would mean for a young person?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the first thing is to make sure that legislators and people recognize mm-hmm. how much. Uh, brain development and child development happens in yeah. the early years yeah. of life. Um, you know, children at the age of birth, uh, their brain size is about twenty percent of their adult brain size, and wow. by the time they're age three, it's eighty percent, eighty percent of their adult brain size. So, in those first three years, you have a lot of growth and development. Everybody can think of a newborn and the little born that's one day old compared to a three-year-old and how much change is in there. So you have this opportunity of growth for humans that you can make a huge difference in such a short period of time. So that's the importance of early childhood education, right in those most malleable, sensitive periods of life, being able to then provide an early childhood yeah a safe environment, a nurturing environment, an environment that is intellectually stimulating for the child, that is safe with attachments. Attachment is very important in those early years. And if you can create that kind of quality, supportive environment in those first years of life, uh, the impacts have been shown to be great for later school readiness, um, for literacy and language skills, for cognitive growth and development, mathematics skills, and even later on societal benefits in terms of being less likely to be in special education, um, more likely to be employed, more likely to go to college, all sorts of later on wow. um, benefits just from those early year
0: quality experiences. Right. You know, it's so fascinating to me. I know, I know we be a little off-topic, but you touched on something so important, which is all this real recent research about brain development Mm -hmm. and the stress factors that influence brain development. Um, well, so this is really key I, and I know that this is becoming a big issue politically and so forth and people are talking about it So this is very very good to begin to get your kind of insight and expertise on this One of the things that um, I think you've written about and talked about a little bit is the difference between quantity and quality mm. And uh, could you help us understand what that means and from your perspective?
1: Yeah uh, the impacts that early childhood experiences education and care experiences have Um, are stronger and more significant when they're in quality, quality experiences. And a quality is in terms of the environment, how it's structured. Uh, You have the right materials. Is it clean? Is it safe? Um, Also, the environment in terms of uh, the, um, the ratios of the number of children to the care provider, is it small, so you don't have a care provider taking to care of too many children at once, mm-hmm. you want to keep it small for that teacher or caregiver child interaction. Um, Are the caregivers themselves experienced? Do they know and have knowledge of child development? Are they recognizing of the brain development that happens in young kids? Do they have a background in early childhood education? Can you provide that? Um, Training experiences for the provider or the the teacher. Uh, All of those things are curriculum support for teachers, a structure for the child during their daily routines Uh in those care. All of those are quality In factors you know quality indicators Um, and you need to have a collection of those in order for it to be a quality experience that can make the best chance of having a difference for children and what we have is we have this kind of um, balance of trying to figure out do we want to offer early childhood education experiences to as many children as possible so the quantity like Expansion of, for example, state-funded preschool programs has grown a lot over the last decade. State-funded preschool usually is like a half a day to a full day, three to six hours. So that expansion is happening, but sometimes the expansion can mean at cost of quality, right? Because you're spreading the few dollars you have thin, Mm -hmm. sprinkling it all over, versus Mm -hmm. concentrating... The dollars into a few programs that will make the biggest difference, maybe for the most vulnerable children. And research has shown that early childhood experiences, especially quality ones, will have the biggest difference for the most disadvantaged children who are trying to reach that equity issues.
0: Yeah, you know that's interesting that you say that last piece because it's kind of like cumulative advantage and cumulative disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me what you're saying is quality preschool disrupts the cycle of cumulative disadvantage Mm -hmm. because it gives these children a chance to develop in a a healthy and normal way.
1: Yeah, it it provides a a support for growing some resilience, right, right? and it's some additional protective factors uh, when you have quality early childhood experiences that children are in, and that's gonna be for everybody, but the most vulnerable most vulnerable right. children who may not have right. the same type of um, opportunities right. that those who are uh, for more advantaged families. That's really going to where you're going to make the biggest right. bang for your buck. But we're in our attempts to uh, allow uh, preschool to be more universal or less targeted, mm-hmm. which is also a great thing to happen. But you got to do it with resources. Right. And to take a small pool of resources and spread it thin means you may not be really having the same impact that you would want to have on children of any, any status, specifically disadvantaged, if you don't have the resources concentrated where you could have low ratios of children, high quality teachers, educated teachers, you can pay teachers uh, a living wage and so forth.
0: Are there some programs that are more successful than others in your experience?
1: The programs that tend to be more successful in terms of the impacts they have on children are those programs that have uh, the highest quality indicators. Yeah. Um, so they, they tend to have the, uh, the teachers that with experience, uh, more advanced education, a bachelor's degree typically, um, training. They also have low ratios, so they have a, a, a teacher and an assistant teacher to take right. care of anywhere from 10 to 20 children. They also have a very systematic approach using curriculum and standards to so though they're focused on what they're working on with children.
0: What would you like to see, what would it look like to you to have a really robust early childhood program that, that accomplish the both equity issues but also the very personal growth issues that you've touched on?
1: Hmm. Gosh, I think one of the first places that I think of when you, when, I, when you give me that question is, what does it look like for the teachers mm-hmm. and the caregivers? who are doing such special and important work. I mean, they're taking care of Americans' children. Mm-hmm. Most Americans, I think it's something like 60% of parent working are working parents right. who have children right. that are less than age five who are getting, being right. cared by somebody else. Yeah. And providing the resources and training and the salary mm-hmm. for those workers in the same way that we would uh, provide the resources, training, and salary for a container store worker. (laughs) And I say that because a container store, as an example, their average salary of a retail worker is $50,000 a year. They provide 263 training hours for their new employees, 263 training hours. Early childhood educators a quality indicator is if they get at least 15. So if we could provide as much resources and training and support as we do into uh, kind of our retail and commercial endeavors, and I could give you the same statistics for Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, all these other places, compared to what we do and support the providers and caregivers of our youngest children, the most vulnerable children, that would be one of the first places I would say we need to start.
0: If you had a message that you wanted to deliver to legislators and policymakers, what would it be?
1: It's great that there's such great support for early childhood education in terms of expansion um, and trying to increase access, which I know many states and policymakers are doing, and we also have that same attention at the federal level. We also need the resources. So, you, you know, you can't just have the expansion without the quality. So having... Quality early childhood education means more than just a greater number of classrooms. It also means supporting the teachers and those classrooms to be high quality. And that will allow you to create rich learning environments that really will make a difference for the next generation. I fear that if I was to go back to my high school, it's probably likely I wouldn't see too much difference yeah. in terms of blacks and whites in the graduation rates and who's going to college. Yeah. And that's you know 30-something years ago. Oh,
0: fantastic. You know, one question we don't have. We didn't mention before, but since you're at AIR mm-hmm. and you've done so much research, I think it would be great if you have a second just to, what kind of research are you doing? What are you doing today in this field? Uh, I know you've had a big impact on the whole organization. I was just wondering what, what what are you doing today that that really inspires you?
1: Oh gosh, there's a couple of things well one I will I'll focus on one that I'm most excited about right. and it's just starting. so we are uh, working with the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm in expanding uh, a conducting a study, expanding the high school preschool curriculum mm-hmm. to their preschool programs there in the state, and doing a study of its effectiveness. A high school preschool curriculum is mm-hmm. one of the kind of cornerstone curriculums from which the Perry preschool study oh, yes. comes from. And the Perry preschool study is one of those studies that right. we're often cited right. to show the impacts of early childhood education show the positive impacts in terms of its uh, supporting uh, uh, disadvantaged children yeah. and equalizing opportunities over 40, 50 years. Yeah. And so to have an opportunity to, to take a piece of that study and now look at it again in modern times, because yeah. that Fantastic. study was done 50 years ago, now doing it again in modern time, and in the state of Alabama, Which is, I was just talking to Montgomery yesterday. And so, you know, Montgomery is where Martin Luther King is from. And so that just kind of like puts a little things together that can touch your heart.
0: Yeah. So. Well, that's a perfect way to end this. Um, I want to thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Peter and Ebony. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. For more podcast episodes, visit edupolicycenter.org.